Welcome to the London Health Podcast, the fourth in our series of podcasts on the power of practice nursing, the future of general practice nursing in London. My name is Jonathan Sampson. I'm the workforce lead for the Transforming Primary Care team in London. Today, Imogen Staveley is interviewing Linda Drake, a general practice nurse in Southwark, and Dr. Sean Howell, a GP and involved in Clinical Effectiveness Southwark, a quality improvement programme. This podcast covers how practice nurses have played a central role in proactively contacting and supporting patients with long-term conditions who've been isolated at home during COVID and as a result face the risk of their condition and general health deteriorating. My name is Imogen Staverley and I'm keen to show the value practice nurses bring as part of my role in the transforming primary care team at the Healthy London Partnership. This morning I'm interviewing Linda Drake and Sean Howell. Hi, I'm Linda Drake and I'm a practice nurse in South East London. I've been in that role for over the last 30 years. I've also had the privilege of being the practice nurse member on Southwark CCG and I'm now fulfilling that role on the borough-based board uh, in Southwark as the CCGs have merged across South East London. And hi, I'm Sean. I'm a GP in Southwark as well, but I also am involved in something called Clinical Effectiveness Southwark, which is a quality improvement support programme for practices in Southwark. Um, and our strap line is making the right thing to do, the easy thing to do. Linda and Sean, thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed. I'm going to ask several questions, mainly on the subject of proactive care during COVID and beyond. How have you been meeting the challenge of proactive care during COVID? Well, for practice nurses, their routine work's been significantly curtailed during the epidemic because we haven't been calling in patients or seeing people who've been coming to the surgery for the usual conditions and care. So we've had the opportunity to address the challenge of contacting patients proactively to support the stay-at-home message and the shielding message. A lot of general practice nurses and healthcare assistants had little or no experience of remote working, and they weren't really familiar with the difference between telephone triage and proactive care. So building on our systems, which we already had, we decided that we would be able to produce some support for nurses to make those available remotely and to guide practice nurses and and healthcare assistants through using the guides and templates which Clinical Effectiveness Southwark had already produced for the nurses. Yeah, so Linda and I had worked together for quite a long time, particularly around diabetes. But what we have in Southwark is a range of long-term condition guides and templates on our systems. And actually what we said is, look, you can continue to use these. You just need to use them remotely. Um, We work closely with the federations and with the CCG. And so what we did is we sort of built on this and quickly developed a pathway, which we called the proactive care pathway, which was around how do we, when we do contact patients remotely, build on that to really focus on the proactive care. So the pathway that we developed for remote support for patients who were staying at home really had three headlines. The first one was optimising their care of their underlying condition. And I found that most of my work is with patients with diabetes, but the COVID epidemic really galvanised patients to improve their care so that their control was as good as it possibly could be. As you're all aware, there was a lot in the media about people with diabetes having particularly poor outcomes 
if they were to catch COVID. And I found that patients who really hadn't been engaging for many years were suddenly very keen to improve their control. The second aspect of the template was advanced care planning. This was something that we encouraged nurses to do only if they had experience of doing it and felt comfortable with that and if they were well trained and if it was appropriate during that consultation. We found that some patients were very pleased that we'd raised it. It was something that was on their mind. They felt very vulnerable during the COVID epidemic, particularly those who were shielding, and they were happy to be able to talk about it. But this was an aspect of the pathway that we found practice nurses did need a lot of support and reassurance about. And then the third aspect was talking to the patient about the social support that they had. And I found that particularly opened up a lot of conversations about people's needs. And these really had come to the forefront during the epidemic. People who were lonely, who had housing problems, who had financial problems. These were all exacerbated by being stuck at home or perhaps being apart from family and friends and their usual support mechanisms. When I contacted patients, they were really grateful that we'd proactively got in touch with them. People were feeling vulnerable, they were feeling frightened, they weren't sure what to do. They hadn't necessarily understood the guidance about the difference between self-isolating, shielding, stringent social distancing. So it was very helpful to be able to talk them through, to reassure them, to point them towards online forms of structured education and self-management, and just to check that they actually did have somebody to do their shopping, collect their medications. And so it really was a privilege doing this work. We've had over 5,000 hits using the template, and that translates into 5,000 telephone conversations to patients at home, just giving them the support that they've really appreciated and helping to optimise their care. I think most of these calls were made by general practice nurses. Thank you, Linda. I was particularly interested in how you supported patients with self-management. How did you do this effectively? I've always been extremely keen on self-management because I think that's actually the key for certainly for patients with diabetes about optimising their control. I see the patients for half an hour twice a year and they live with their diabetes day and night. So we've got a history of very good levels of self-management uptake in Southwark. But of course, during the pandemic, patients have haven't been able to attend the, the groups that they're used to going to. So we have commissioned some extra online self-management courses where patients have got access to dietitians and health coaches. They can sign up for a course of either via telephone or via using their screens, different apps, and they can get weekly sessions to help support their self-management. And I found that patients perhaps who've been not able to go to groups or not felt they wanted to go to groups have been keen at the moment to optimise their control. They've read in the press about the poor outcomes of people uh, with diabetes if they were to catch COVID and that they have it's really galvanised them to address their diabetes in a way that they haven't before. It's been quite a challenge for me on the phone and quite emotionally labour intensive trying to help people who've not been used to perhaps measuring their own blood glucose, uh, who've perhaps not titrated their medications in the past. Uh, but I found that they're, they're very um, keen to do that and by having a series of weekly phone calls, uh, I've seen some really pleasing results of people who are actually now within target. We've done goal setting. We've had more time to do this over the phone. 
I agree. I also think there's lots of new stuff coming online. So we didn't have it all and we didn't know about it all at the beginning because we did this quite quickly. So I think as we move forward and we start to look at sort of more long term condition management going forward, we're realizing there are lots of apps which are good. We've now got social prescribing link workers in place. There's health coaches I've recently found out about. What we're doing with the pathway and the template is allowing them to evolve um, and include new details and sort of building on it. So rather than trying to get it absolutely perfect at the beginning, we're kind of adding things as we find out about them or that they develop. And it's been great that, Linda, you've managed to connect, particularly through the Practice Nurse Forum. Yeah, so the Practice Nurse Forum in Southwark has, has been active for over 30 years. And I mentioned at the beginning that I've been in, in practice for a long time. And we started off, I think, probably about 32 years ago in my house, a small group of nurses, some of whom I'm still working with. And it has grown from then into into a really active practice nurse forum and healthcare assistant we meet together once a month. At the beginning of the epidemic, a lot of them were feeling quite isolated, working from home, getting lots and lots of guidance and information from a variety of sources and came to us and said that they felt they needed more support. So we set up a, a virtual practice nurse forum. The appetite from my colleagues for spending time together, having questions and answers, learning about what's available has been so strong that we've we have had the privilege of meeting together weekly and that also has been a, a great opportunity to bring things like the proactive template i know sean has joined the forum virtually um, on a couple of occasions and the nurses using the template have been able to feed in their views and because it's been so reactive and and we're able to change it so frequently we've been able to adjust the template according to the views we're getting fed in. Through the forum, it's been really energizing work for myself and my colleagues, because we've seen things run at pace. Uh, I think previously, whenever we've wanted to make any changes or any developments, it's taken months going round and round the usual cycles of governance and approval and endless discussion and finances. Whereas I think, Sean, we had this up and running within um, well, when we first started to talk about it, we probably had it available with, within a couple of weeks, the first drafts. I think the template took about 10 days, one up. And we, we then made mistakes with that and we had to kind of update it and change it because all the coding kept changing and the shielding groups kept changing. Had a lot of work for our Federation colleagues who very kindly take the old ones off and put the new ones on and doing that across all the Southwark practices. We don't make a change lightly. We need We need to know that it's an important change. And I think the nurses have really responded well to that because they'll tell us if there's something wrong. And we'll, within sort of 24, 48 hours, we'll have the new and updated template on their system. And I think that's really helped with trust and ownership of the templates and the guides. I think it's also really helped practice nurses to realise the impact they can have. And indeed, through the forum and the discussions and having really felt that they've contributed and have some ownership to the template, I think that ownership is demonstrated by the fact that it's been used over 5,000 times in Southwark. Indeed, it's really energised the nursing workforce in Southwark. And we've had some suggestions from the nurses for other forms of proactive care. We realised that our immunisation statistics were low. Parents and carers were not liking to bring their children to the surgery for fear of catching the virus. And so they were staying away and we were very fearful that this would end up with perhaps having a measles epidemic later in the year. So the nurses got together and with one of the doctors whose hobby is animation, they've made a really tremendous video, which is now displayed on all the practice websites. 
made by some of our local practice nurses, just explaining what the process would be and in encouraging the parents and carers to bring their children along. And indeed, in the surgery that I work in, in May last month, we had using that video and making proactive calls to parents, we've had our best ever May immunisation statistics. Linda and Sean, everything you've done is so inspiring and you've clearly learnt so much as you've gone along during this. And I wondered if you've got any suggestions on how you think proactive care can be managed in the future by practice nurses. Yeah, I, I think what we have to bear in mind is that this, this has been a really terrible time for the country. It's been frightening for the patients. And it's also been very, very difficult, as we know, for healthcare professionals some of whom have, have lost loved ones or have been shielding at home or, or caring for those who are shielding. But at the same time, it's shown practice nurses that there's a tremendous opportunity for them to work in different ways if they're given the support that they need. I don't think we'll ever go back to the way that we were working before. I think we've seen now that a lot of the long-term condition management can be done very effectively remotely. Patients have really appreciated being contacted at a time that perhaps suits them. Uh, they don't have to come to the surgery. I think that we've identified a lot of the forms of support, education and training, and just simple things like help with video consultations, techniques, using headsets, etc. It's also helped nurses to be more imaginative. We're already starting to think about our food campaigns, and we're thinking now much more broadly about how we might do that. Instead of each practice having to, to address its own patients with flu, we might think about having mobile sites in supermarket car parks, using our local community hospital, pooling our resources and using some of the lessons that we've learned during this time of COVID. I think also to jump in, I think there's been something around teamwork and it seems really odd that even that often we're remote and we're working on Zoom or Teams, we have managed to create a sense of teamwork of which the nurse, the practice nurse is pivotal. And I think going forward, we can just be much cleverer about how we do things. So really trying to stratify and prioritise our patients so that they see the right person. Not every asthmatic person needs to have a practice nurse review. Some people could be well managed remotely just by some text or signposting. And some people may need more complex care, perhaps from the multidisciplinary team or a GP but really thinking how do we come together as a team to make sure that we distribute the patients properly that we learn and share and not only as teams within practices but teams beyond practices and I think there's been some fast tracking of that in the last few weeks and months and I think going forward what um, Linda and I have discussed and other people in Southwark is how do we kind of get the right systems and support in place so practice nurses really feel that they're working at the top of their game but have clear support pathways for when they need to kind of ask for advice or perhaps working with healthcare assistants to support remote monitoring so before Linda does her diabetic review perhaps a healthcare assistant could have phoned the patient talk what type of contact they would like talk them through getting their weight done their blood pressure done maybe doing some glucose readings and then Linda when she does her review on the telephone has got all of that information to hand and can work with the patient around that so it's really thinking about who in the team can do what and how do we kind of really support practice nurses to not to deal with you know the long-term conditions that they've done for so long but almost in a new and different way and really part of the team. Yeah, I think the other thing we've been thinking about, Sean, isn't it, that it's so important that we, a lot of this has been about remote working, but we're very anxious that as we address the future, that nothing that we're putting in place reinforces the huge inequalities that we see in the borough where we're working. 
So again, we are thinking about how we might support patients in the, the future way we're working. And we're very mindful that remote consultations aren't suitable for everybody. No, I absolutely agree with that, Linda. But also, how can we be a bit cleverer in the way that we stratify our patients instead of just looking at whether an asthmatic patient uses a lot of salbutamol, perhaps also looking at what their demographics are? How can we pick out people's ethnicity so that, you know, the people who've missed their diabetic reviews, how can we make sure that we use our senior clinical resource really to target those people who are at greatest risk, not only of coronavirus, but of complications from their diabetes in helping them that kind of prioritisation work, which I don't think could be done at every practice. But if we could do that collectively across the system, I think that would be really helpful. Thank you very much for all those stories. It really brings alive what practice nurses can achieve. What support do you think is needed for practice nurses in the challenge of proactive care? We need to be very mindful of the the education and the training for nurses. I think the other thing that's come into my mind during the epidemic is that this has been very emotionally labour intensive period for the nurses. And we've got to be mindful about the emotional support nurses need. So I think one of the things we've made available in Southwark is various different forms of support, either one-to-one counselling or certainly setting up groups that people can join, websites, WhatsApp groups, if if they're finding it stressful. So I I think it's just looking holistically across the needs of the nurses to enable them to, to work in a different way. And Linda, you've talked a lot about what the system can do to support nurses. Would you have any tips for sort of GP partners or practice managers on what they can do to support nurses within practices? I think that some nurses haven't felt very supported. I think some practices haven't been very clear about what happens if nurses are shielding or off sick in terms of their contracts. And I think that's a great shame. I think other practices have been tremendously supportive and encouraging. I know Sean's mentioned about the importance of teamwork. Yeah, I think I think I would go back to teamwork. And I think it's about recognising the value of time for, for team meetings. And one of the things we were doing at the sort of height of the pandemic is we were having a sort of a daily debrief as a team and sort of sharing what we were doing and what challenges we'd had. And that sort of dropped off a bit, which I think is a shame. But actually, there is if we want people to work at the top of the game, then we need to kind of support them to do that. They need to have quick access when seeing patients or talking to patients to what do I do with this query and where can I go for this? And I think it's really crucial that practice managers recognise that nurses need to be released for education, to attend their forum, to go to these events, but also time is created within the practice team for this kind of shared learning and shared support. Because if you feel you're in a team where you can ask the silly question, I think that's, you know, in all of our interests. And if we're happy in doing our jobs well, then that translates through to the patients. And we know that high levels of staff satisfaction relate to high levels of patient care. Our practice nurse I work with was very anxious about doing telephone consulting. So say for asthma, she started off just doing the very simple asthma reviews on the telephone to get her confidence up, but actually then very quickly could progress to doing the more the more complex patients and then doing telephone reviews for patients with asthma plus something else. And that's just such a changing picture. And unless you're meeting regularly as a small team, you're not going to understand that. During this period, it was the International Nurses Day and our federation has decided that they would have a not exactly a competition, but an event where all members of every practice were encouraged to nominate nurses who they felt were making a real difference at the moment. 
nurses, healthcare assistants, general practice nurses, people that had done something a bit different or had just carried on doing what they normally did, but in a particularly dedicated way. We've broadcast it widely and we've asked all, all members of the practice to really think about their nursing workforce, to look for those shrinking violets, those unsung heroes. And I think that's been a really fun way of getting whole practice teams to look at their nurses, their healthcare assistants, and just think again about the contribution that they make. That's so fantastic to hear. And I just think it shows how nurses are valued in your area and that that's really, really important because I believe that by valuing people, it raises people's game because they want to show their value even more. It's sort of a, a virtuous circle, really. Uh, thank you both so much. I just wondered if you've got anything else you'd want to add. I guess I'd like to say I've been doing this job for 35 years, practice nursing. It's an absolutely fantastic job. I've loved every minute of it. I'm really so attached to my patients. I feel it's an absolute privilege and I'm really longing to get back into the practice when we're seeing patients face to face. Thank you, Linda. I feel like discussing this subject with you has just shown how much you love it and shown your passion and, and your patients are really, really lucky. And Sean, thank you so much for giving us that opportunity by introducing Linda to me through your workshop and the amazing work Clinical Effectiveness Group have done. I want to thank Linda and Sean for their contribution because it reminds us all to listen to practice nurses during COVID and beyond. By listening and giving GPNs a voice, we will enable them to support their general practice colleagues, their patients, and to help shape the wider system as we move beyond the initial stages of the COVID pandemic. And finally, I want to thank Health Education England, NHSE and I, Capital Nurse and Healthy London Partnerships for their support in creating this podcast. We are bringing you a series of podcasts highlighting the power of practice nursing over the next few months. Please subscribe to our series. Do also share your own stories of practice nursing on social media with the hashtag LondonGPN. We look forward to hearing from you.